You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, Annie here for this week's edition of Showreel, looking at productions and other aspects of the Australian moving image world. And today we hear from filmmaker John Soto, who is based in Western Australia. John talks to us about his new film, Avarice, and his filmmaking journey. But before we get down to business, just a heads up that my sister program, focusing on film on 3CR, on screen, this Saturday will be hosting its yearly roundup of the best films for the year. Christian Conley from Nova will be there to give his thoughts. You're invited to ring in with your views and Melinda and I will throw our two bobs worth in. Just to sweeten the deal, callers are in the running for five double passes to the best little movie house in town, the Nova, for your efforts. Fun for all. Put it in your diary, 11am Saturday here on 3CR. The sun is shining, or at least it's attempting to, so get your picnic blankets out and gather your mates and stock up on your summer wine. We're so excited that our summer wine fundraiser is back. This year we're selling delicious wine generously provided by 3CR supporter Jamsheed Wines. Just $20 per bottle, or you can snap up even more of a bargain by buying in a dozen or half dozen lots and mixes. Order online 3cr.org.au forward slash shop or call the station on 9419 8377 during business hours. Jamsheed Wines is a 3CR supporter. John Soto is a self-made filmmaker, as we hear from my chat, which was inspired by his new release, Avarice, but turned into an interesting chat about how it all began for him. Here we go. So, uh, John, um, Avarice is not the first sauté that you've made into a genre of film. Uh, Can you talk to me about uh, the attraction? Oh, the attraction to genre? Yeah. Um, It's the, the main attraction for me is that I know that the film will reach um, wider audiences. Um, and, and by wider, I mean not just in Australia, I mean internationally. So, um, you know, uh, my first film, Crush, through to uh, the film I did before this movie, Avarice, uh, The Gateway, um, all of my films um, have reached audiences all around the world. And um, I, I, I tend to gravitate to, um, so that's the first thing, it's the audience 
reach because there's no point making a film that is only seen by about 10 people you want you want as many people as possible to see it and share your sort of excitement for the story uh and also i like genre um thrillers in particular is the thriller genre is my focus focus because i like just being a little bit ahead of the audience and surprising them surprising them with the story and um so you'll notice like crush for instance is a supernatural film but it's a supernatural thriller or the gateway is a sci-fi film but it's a sci-fi thriller and so is um so is avarice it's, an, it's slightly different it's an action thriller but uh it, it you know keeps audiences engaged yeah it's it's about uh, the suspense as well as the tricks and the uh twists and turns yeah exactly yeah i like i like to keep the audience guessing and in suspense so they don't know they don't sit down and within five minutes go oh this is going to happen it's like no you don't know what's going to happen that's what that's that's what i like doing it's like a magic trick you keep surprising with new things <laughs> yeah okay so, so what about your film making background i mean how did you get into film because i know you've been very successful oh thank you um okay where where does it all start well go i'll go back when i was a teenager and i was an avid reader of books and comics avid consumer of those um, in fact, I think at my school library, I pretty much read every, just about every fiction book they had. I was, I was reading up to, you know, one or two a night. I was staying up to two, three in the morning. Um, and obviously loved comic books as well. But I was also a, uh, I used to write short stories because I'd read all this stuff and I'd go, I can do this. Well, it's a lot harder than that, but... <laughs> I um, so I wrote lots of short stories as a kid, and I also decided to write a book. So I wrote like this, kind of like a James Bond kind of a big action, crazy action film. Well, not film book. Um, and uh, I realised that you know, it's to get a book done is an enormous amount of work, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that process. Um, getting older, as I got older, um, in my twenties, uh, I was. Again, still reading a lot, but I was also watching a lot of movies. Um, so I was watching, again, watching one or two movies a night. A big fan of um, uh, some of the UK films, um, and particularly the Hollywood movies, big fan of Hollywood films. Uh, also Australian films, like, uh, you know, I love Mad Max and, and Russell Mulcahy's Razorback and all that sort of stuff. So I was very much into watching whatever I get my hands on. This is back in the day of... Um, VHS cassettes and DVDs. So I'd you know, go into Blockbuster and hire about, get the old seven seven movies for like $1, I think it was. And uh, it was pretty hit, pretty hit and miss <laughs> what you'd watch. But that that kind of, that enthusiasm for films, I just love just loved movies. And, um, and then I decided, well, um, in my 30s, I thought, well, I should try, I should try, uh, you know, writing a script. And I actually found this book, my very first book that I bought. And, um, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, actually. I think it was like The Secrets of Writing a Hollywood Script, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's called now Screenwriting Tricks of the Trade. That's what it was. Okay. Um, and and uh, so I read that book and, and I decided, because um, I didn't, didn't really understand what was involved in, um, writing a script for a film um, and it was a lot different to what I thought because, yeah. of, because of course in a in a book 
Um, you, you, the, the author describes what the character is thinking, but you can't do that with a film. It's only what you, you can, you only write what you can see and hear for the audience. So uh, I decided, well, okay, I can give that a go. So I, so I again started watching more films and then studying how they worked and then finding the scripts. I found um, this uh, uh, web page where they had actually bought some scripts a number of scripts like from movies and also downloaded a bunch of scripts to, to understand how, how it works, read more screenwriting books, uh, wrote my first script. Absolutely. It was absolutely terrible. Like you just, cause you don't understand structuring and you don't, you know, it's, it's, you need to write probably about three scripts to get the bad scripts out of your system and to kind of get an understanding of structure and plotting and, building characters and creating tension and you know it's 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 right you know screenwriting is very much the more you do generally the better you get and so i did that i also did an afters i did an afters screenwriting course um and that was very very useful i i I did like it was a short course it was like a half a year course. so i did that that was fantastic absolutely fantastic so I can't recommend that enough. And that's where you go in there with a script and you work on it through the course, but also you're, you're understanding um, from, you know, A to Z of screenwriting. It's really, really strong. And we had a great lecturer, uh, Dr. Lucy Deathridge, her name was. Um, and she, I got like a special commendation because the stuff I wrote and sent into her, she's like, oh, this is really good. And I like this. And, I like, and she liked the way I kept the audience guessing. And and, um, and that's kind of how I sort of have gravitated to thrillers. So that's the writing side. And then, um, long story short, I actually had a script that I um, sold to a Melbourne production company called, um, called Something Evil. And the film didn't turn out very well. So it was, you know, disappointing. And I thought to myself, next the next script I write, I'm going to see if I can direct it because I think I could do a better job than the last guy. And but but I knew you just can't go direct a film. You've got to kind of have some experience in handling a camera, telling a story with a camera. So I um, I then uh, directed a short film called Repulsion. So that was quite eye opening. Yeah, great um, title to too. That. Yeah, thank you. Um, I have seen the original Repulsion as well, by the way. But that's just, <laughs> I, I actually saw Repulsion after I had made my Repulsion. I came up <laughs> with that title, and then I found out, oh, that's um, oh god, what's that uh, director's name? But Polanski. Mm. It's the name of a Polanski film, and I've seen most of his stuff. And I thought, and I thought, oh my god, and I watched it, and I thought, gee, that's actually a really good film. So, I did Repulsion. Um, it actually the short turned out, you know, pretty good. And around that time, I had a friend who was into commercial videos. He would make, he would shoot commercial, you know, commercials or stuff like that for uh, various companies. And I, and I thought, well, I'm not experienced enough to direct on my own. What if I brought in a co-director and we work together and get and, and we get one of my films up? We get Crush, my first script. We get that up, and that's what we did. And um, yeah, and essentially. What happened there was I ended up being, um, I got Jeff to handle the crew and I would work with the actors. I would direct the actors. um, And initially it was very much, you know, again, first time director, 
you learn a lot on, a, on your first film. That was like my PhD. And I initially thought, you know, oh, the actors, they must say every word I have written. Well, <laughs> no, that doesn't work like that. Mainly because guess what? The actors, if they're in character and they're good actors, they'll often come up with better lines than what you've written. So, yeah, so that was, that was really great, really eye-opening. Um, so I went through that process. And the film, um, we had like a, a limited screening in um, Perth, but it, the film was, because it's a supernatural thriller, um, in short, it's a, you know, the logline is it's about a university student um, who um, ends up um, uh, having a, having an affair with this, with this girl uh, who turns out uh, has supernatural powers. So, and then she becomes obsessed with him. It's actually a really cool story. And that worked well because it, it ended up selling uh, to an American company uh, for the US North American market and it sold all around the world. Yeah, is, was that made before they made that uh, feature that, was, that had, um, what's the name, Thulman in it, whatever her name is, you know, about the woman who was... Oh, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Ah, yeah. so they lifted your idea. That was a clever film. Yeah. That was that was a clever idea there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was uh, like it's worth watching. You know, it's worth watching. Um, and the edit, the editor on that, I learned a lot from the editor, believe it or not. So oh, I do believe it because editors are absolutely crucial. I would say they are next to the director, the second most important. Uh, oh, you can, uh, next to the actors. The, uh, next most important <laughs> and <aspect>. the music, <laughs> but, but yeah, they're pretty important. Actors, otherwise, you're dead in the water. But yeah, no, no, Jason. Uh, so I ended up being lucky to secure a guy called Jason Valentine, who directed, who sorry, edited Wolf Creek, and I selected him purely on the basis that he was the editor of Wolf Creek, which is also a pretty terrific. Film. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, pretty hardcore, of course, but hey, it works. Um, mm. And he came on board and. Uh, the process was uh, we would shoot the footage during the day and then we, then all the dailies, uh, we'd go back and watch the dailies with Jason who would start editing them and then <laughs> he would uh, tell us what we had done wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so that you could do the pickups the next day. Yeah. yeah. So you could do the pickups the next day and what we had missed and what we and And then, uh, honestly, it was, a, as I said, it was my PhD. It was such an education uh, in filmmaking. Yeah. And um, the film ended up, you know, as I said, I think it's to me, it's a, it's a, it stands up. It's a solid film. Okay, it's not a masterpiece, but it's a good film, and people people enjoy it. And it's got a little bit of a cult following in the US. Like the the deep, like it, it was released in the US and sold some crazy, you know, thirty thousand DVDs across America, um, and it still has people that you can still buy Crush um, in the US and it's still available on most of the platforms over there. So it's. Um, yeah, it was a it was a good first film. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah. then you moved on to to uh, bigger and better things. Now you're doing features, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, Crush was a feature. Oh yeah, right. Okay, sorry, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Repulsion was my was a short film, but then I did a feature film called yeah. Crush. Yes. And that sold all around the world, and uh, that was you know fairly successful. Um, but and, you had something uh, even was... more successful after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I went on to Needle. So Needle was my next one with um, uh, Travis Fimmel and Ben Mendelsohn and uh, Michael Dorman and oh, those uh, Murray Bartlett from The White Lotus. I mean, th that was the cast of casts in yeah. Needle. 
Um, so again, I was pretty happy with that one. Though the script could have, been, honestly, in my mind, the script could have been better. It's just one of those things. It was um, we had a crunch on the on that and time crunch in terms of it got green lit and we were still I was still rewriting the script. Um, and it was one of those things where, well, if you don't shoot it, you're going to lose your money. Yes. So um, it's like, well, I better I better bloody well shoot the film. So it turned out, uh, I think, uh, probably as good as you know, better than than Needle. Um, but I could have, I think it could have been stronger, but this is one of those things that it was, it was, you know, my second film, um, and a great learning experience. It won a few awards and things. Um, and from Needle, I went on to a crime thriller called The Reckoning. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I went into a sci-fi film, sci-fi thriller, um, The Gateway, uh, which, uh, has a special place in my heart. That's a, that was a, that's a, like a, and a beautiful little uh, sci-fi movie was shot super low budget, but um, again, that's found its audience. And then on to something very different, an action thriller, which is Avarice. Avarice, yeah, which is what we're here to talk about. With Avarice, so did you shoot it in um, Western Australia? Yep, 100% West Australian. Um, and we also shot it uh, during COVID. Yeah. So that was not fun. <laughs> uh, not fun in capital letters. Uh, I mean, look, here's a here's a reality check for a lot of people out there. Um, you know, there's the, there seems to be some sort of uh, myth that, that making a film is like being having a one constant party for like a month. Oh right, um, yeah, I don't think so. They're all having, yeah, they're all having drinks and laughing and giggling and shooting and just, you know, no, it's not like that. That's about <laughs> that's five. That's the rap party. That's the rap party, and it's five percent of probably five percent of your whole time in the shoot. The other ninety-five percent is, you know, it's just hard work, really hard work, exhausting. You know, twelve forty nowadays, you're mentally drained, and then um, on top of that, you throw COVID in the mix, and you've got to wear masks, and then you're trying to relay instructions to actors who who's, who's also masked up, and yeah, <laughs> and then you get shut down. We had a shut down for three days, but. Um, look, we got through it. Um, it was uh, for myself and my co-producer, Tim Maddox, who was uh, fabulous uh, with, with the film and, and helped um, get the film financed. Um, it was great, um, but it was, for both of us, we had a lot of anxiety during that shoot because for, for we did not know, were we going to finish the film? You can imagine, you know, you're two days in, bang, you shut down, three days shut down, is it a three-day shutdown or is it going to be a two-week shutdown? If it's two weeks, we've lost all our locations um, and complete disaster. But luckily, we had only a three-day shutdown. We managed to renegotiate with the places that we were shooting at, the locations, and, yeah, we got the film done. But it was very difficult uh, yeah. film to make. Yeah, yeah, well, especially since uh, there's actually quite a lot of uh, – because it's uh, – uh, an action thriller. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of you know up close contact yeah. between the actors. So that must have been quite yeah. a challenge. It was, yeah, and that was a real challenge. And uh, my heart goes out to all directors in the world who are making films at that time. I know what you've gone through. Uh, and some, unfortunately, some films they were there might have been a week in they just shut down and were never finished. Yeah. Um, or or the worst one is an actor gets really sick. So you can oh. imagine you've got your lead actor, you've got your lead actor, you've got all your locations, and then, hey, two weeks you've shot you know, half your film and all of a sudden your actor's in the hospital. 
Um, and then, of course, you lose all your other actors because they can't wait around for the next month. They move on to other films and the film just disintegrates. So um, uh, such a the COVID is an absolute nightmare for, for film filmmakers, but we, we got through it. It's still obviously around and you've got to be aware of that even now. Um, but yeah, we've, we managed to get through it. So what do you feel like you achieved with, uh, besides actually uh, finishing Avarice under such conditions? What were your main um, aims for the film? Well, uh, my main thing was um, to create that, uh, an element or sort of an uh, atmosphere of tension. <laughs> so you may watch the film and, and feel a little bit tense and, and you know, feel, feel some suspense coming on there. And that's because that was the atmosphere when we were making the film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the suspense of, will we be shooting tomorrow? Um, no, it was... So the, the main thing is to make it suspenseful. Um, yeah, and I wanted to... Like, you know, it's, it's a home invasion film. And there are other home invasion films. And I was approached, like I, this isn't entirely my idea, it was actually the three other writers. And we all worked on, on the script. Um, it's been, you know, been worked on for over three years. Various drafts back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, but the, first, the thing I stipulated with the writers is I don't want to make a film where, it's, where we're just repeating The Strangers or, or, or we're going to repeat, you know, um, Funny Games or we're going to repeat... Uh, Panic Room. I, I want. I wanted to um, make make a film that has to be very different. Obviously, obviously, because it's in Australia, it's going to be different. But different from the aspect of the story. A lot of the home invasion films, most of them, they're stuck in the house. You're stuck in the house. You know, you might have a few scenes out of it. Then all of a sudden, you're in the house. The home invasion occurs, and the whole film is in the rest in the house for the rest of the film. So I was like, no. Why don't we change it up and have what can we do that's fresh? And I like the idea of um, like a story reversal in a way, which is that um, the hero of the story or the heroine is a female protagonist. Um, you know, she manages to you know, thwart or, you know, battle the uh, home invaders and then takes the fight to them and invades their house and goes after them, and inv- you know. And that was what really appealed to me. And... Um, uh, audiences are responding to it, so you know we've had a very good. You know, people are really enjoying that aspect, and also uh, in most in you know a lot of home invasion movies or films like that or thrillers, action thrillers in particular, it's the male lead, it's the man, is the guy that saves the day and saves the family. And I thought, well, you know, mothers are the linchpin of the family. Why can't we have a have a mum take that role? And what and uh, but it was like. Yeah, but how's she going to take on the bad guys? These are soldiers. These are ex-soldiers. This is, this is serious stuff. Well, she's got a special skill, and then we had to work out what that skill was, um, which turned out to be archery. And yeah, we well, thought, it was okay. it was great great to have uh, bow and arrows uh, be lethal. I'll have to say that was really an interesting aspect. Yeah, yeah, it's not been done before. I mean, there's no, there is no home invasion movies in the world right now where the heroine takes out the bad guys with a bow and arrows. <laughs> and and you'll see how effective they are too. That That is the real stuff. Those arrows are steel. The bow is made of um, special aluminium and steel. And when you draw back that arrow and, and you let it fly, that that is going like a bullet. So, mm. um, yeah, so that was, that was, again, that was fresh. Something you haven't seen before. That's what we're trying to, 
was trying to achieve with, um, with this movie. Well, it was a, a great platform for local talent as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Gillian, it was such a pleasure to have her. I mean, obviously, with a lovely uh, cast, um, but it was great because Gillian was actually, um, who plays the lead role of um, Kate, Gillian Alexi. Gillian was in um, McLeod's Daughters in Australia and you know, had a lot of success there. Decided to go to the US, or I should re- rephrase that, was snapped up by the US companies and has done a number of um, TV shows over there, um, The Americans, um, NCIS, uh, Damages, uh, a, a series called Dirty John with Eric Banner. Um, she did had her own show called Outsiders. I think went for two seasons, or like she had a major role, like one of the lead characters. So uh, she came back to Perth um, when COVID started to go crazy in the US and retreated back to Perth with her family and was available for the film. So I was lucky. So I guess there was the, the upside of COVID is yet some of these actors come back to Australia. And she responded to the script and uh, we managed to secure her for the role. Then, of course, we had Luke uh, Ford, um, who you know, his performance in Animal Kingdom is amazing. And he's a very, very good actor. And uh, we uh, sent him the script and he responded and he really liked it and we managed to secure him. Uh, and then it was casting the rest. And we, and I feel we've got a pretty a pretty solid bunch of actors. Yeah, well, so, so what's the release date? And uh, the, is it getting a theatrical release or are you aiming for other platforms? Oh, no, it's getting a theatrical release. So it's going in uh, theatres at Reading Cinemas. Um, I think it's uh, 13 locations across Australia. So it's in uh, Perth, South Australia, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Adelaide and um, Brisbane. Uh, and um, it's the film has uh, already done well internationally in terms of... Uh, it was selected for the Montreal Independent Film Festival and won Best Thriller, so I think that's a nice little tick. Um, but no, it's, it's been sold internationally, so it's been sold in 30 countries now and being released all around the world. And it'll and it's uh, I think it um, they've got an early release, like it was released recently, like in fact it was released in Switzerland like about a week ago and has is number one is a number one thriller over there ahead of all these other American things, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, that is yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, what? So, um, but yeah, it'll be great um, if we can get, uh, if Australians, Australian audiences who like action thrillers and, and want something different, want to, watch, want to watch something fresh, so they can come out and support the film, go to the local Reading Cinema. Yeah, so from December 8th, um, it's playing nationally. So, um, yeah, it'll be great to get um, some support from, from Australians. Thank you very much for talking to me, John. My pleasure, Annie. That's it for this week. Showreel is going on holidays as the summer season hits. But over the next few weeks, we hear about new films that are hitting our screens and websites, as well as a dip into the vaults. Until next week, tune in and stay safe.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.